thanks for listening to the Roman Circus Podcast, a weekly dive into death-defying discussions of Catholic culture, tradition, and history. I'm Matt Baker, and with me is a man who jumped off social media because he is better than all of us, Zach Mabry. Zach? Hello, everybody. What's it like being off social media? You you did that for Lent, so I'm not... By the way, I'm not giving you any credit for this one. We gave you all the credit you could ever possibly get for Lent. I am just asking you as um, uh, out of courtesy, basically. Yeah, so, you know, Lent, I actually gave up Twitter. I didn't give up social media in general. Okay. And so one uh, interesting development during Lent was that I started using Instagram, like, heavily. So, um this time, I just thought it'd be nice to take July and just not have social media. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I've got stuff every weekend. I'm going to be with family this coming weekend. I'm going to be out at the lake after that. Um, you know, I've got things going on. I have a very important and busy life. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You have many, <laughs> many leather-bound books, and you smell of yes, rich mahogany. I, I, you know, yes. I'm, I'm going to be talking about important things with lots of high-level people. Yes, no. yes, yes. Um, I don't know. I just thought it'd be fun to kind of live in the moment and not even really give thought to what I'm, what I'm putting out there. Sure. Um, and then, I mean, secondarily, just not seeing everyone else's stuff, no offense. Um, it's just like quieter all of a sudden. Cause you know, as much as I like watching people's Instagram stories and liking their tweets and, um, you know, I have a pretty, I've really curated my timeline down to people whose stuff I actually want to see. Um, <laughs> not seeing it for like a month. You know, I don't know. So far, it's been nice. I'm like a week into this or however however far into July we are. And, um, yeah, it's been good. You know, I'll, the hardest thing is I'll think of a tweet, and it'll be like a totally money tweet that would get just, you know, hundreds of likes. And, you know, there's nothing to do with it. Tweet so. us at Roman Circus Pod. I'm at Hey, it's Matt Baker. Zach was once at Zach Mabry, Z-A-C Mabry. Uh, you can look for him, but you won't find him. Uh, you'll find him in a few weeks, I'm sure. When he comes roaring back, email us, podcast at romancircusblog.com. Find us on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever podcasts are sold for free. Okay. so Yeah, that... so last thing on that is that you can deactivate Facebook and Instagram as long as you want, which okay. is what I did. Twitter can only be deactivated for 30 days and they delete your Twitter. Right. So somebody remind me to log right back in August 1st so I don't lose my Twitter. Right. I don't know how you can remind me unless you have my cellular telephone number, but you'll probably be having the shakes by then and you'll just like wake up in a cold sweat on July 31st at 11:30 at night and yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a yeah. it'll be an interesting experience. I, you know, I did that once. I did it, conquered it, not looking to go back, been there, done that, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, that's uh, your, you do it. You do it, do it to the fullest of your abilities. That's what I say. That's the uh, words of encouragement you get from me for this. Oh, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> to exist with deactivated social media accounts tricky but I, I do feel like in like a total ninja because i'm like oh i'm at this cool restaurant and there's neat stuff and i'm not taking i'm not showing anybody these pictures mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh yeah secret agent style 
So I, uh, yeah, I was in Sin what? City last weekend, Zach. Lost. Where were you? Las Vegas. Oh, the Lost Vegas, huh? The Lost Vegas. I did it. Went there to go watch some basketball with my buddies. Won a little bit of money. Had an overall enjoyable time. I don't know, you know, I'm I'm pro Las Vegas. Like people, you know, they're always like anti Las Vegas. I am pro Las Vegas. But just cuz I, I just cause I like to gamble. Yeah, I have a good time when I visit Las Vegas. I go for an airline conference every spring. Right. Um with with work. And so it's really fun. I don't know that I would go with like, you know, my like college bros or any of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um no offense to my college bros. Sure. But uh in, in a more environment where you're not I mean, you know, none of the none of the crazy stuff, but definitely having a good time, enjoying um, of course, all the gaming and uh, the food and the drinks and you know it's it's cool. I'll tell you what I did do that I had a blast. I um, I went and saw David Copperfield. You know that huh. that guy, magician David Copperfield, illusion. Exactly, he is he is so demon. He is one hundred percent demon. Right. They For those have, out there, he's an illusionist, which is not magic. Yes, but hey, you know, it was pretty great. I I will say. They uh he was doing the whole business, uh making cars appear out of nowhere. He was disappearing people and then reappearing them in other parts of the room. All the all the classic David Copperfield shenanigans. And he was doing them right there in front of our very eyes. The one thing, you know, me to tell you the most amazing one, Zach? Sure. Let's hear it. The way he would pick people out of a crowd, he would turn his back and he would throw a ball into the crowd, and then he would tell those per- people to throw it again. Right? He's like, "We want to make sure this is random. You want to make you want, you know, we weren't we didn't pick this out ahead of time." We're like, yeah, yeah, we get it. We we know the we know the jargon. We know the magician lingo. Right? We're all smart people here. Right. Throws the ball. Lands in the hands of a lovely gal. Go. She goes up on stage. Uh, he's like, uh, oh, before that, he put he has a blank sheet of paper, and he hangs it on some hooks, and he raises it up to the roof. Raises the roof, Zach. Raises the paper up to the roof. Calls a gal on stage. Says, what's your name? She says, Christina. Where are you from? Seattle, Washington. Uh, what's a place you want to visit? Who do you want to visit it with? And when do you want to go? She said, I want to go to Bora Bora with my boyfriend within the next year. And she's wearing a black top. He's like, it's a lovely black top you have on. She says, thank you, et cetera, et cetera. So he says, go go to this podium, take this pen, and write down the name of a celebrity. Okay? So she's doing that. He's talking to the crowd. The banter was great. A-plus banter by old D. Copperfield, I will say, at his show. So she's done writing the celebrity, and he... He points to that paper he ri- ri- uh, rose up to the roof, risen up, rised up to the roof. What's the correct word? What's the correct? Uh, had ro- raised. Had raised. That's it. So, and he 
does the business points or snaps or whatever he does. And all of a sudden it flips around and it's a picture of Elvis. And sure enough, Zach, guess what the celebrity she wrote down was. Was it Elvis? It was Elvis, Zach. Um, But if that's not crazy enough, uh, he gets a camera and he zooms in on the picture of Elvis. And you know how they they create pictures with mini pictures like a collage or like a mural. So it's a lot of mini pictures, but if you back up, it shows you like a main picture Uh within Elvis's head were written the words. uh, We chose a woman out of the crowd by throwing a ball twice. Her name is Christina. She's from Seattle, Washington. She wants to go to Bora Bora within the next year with her boyfriend. And she's wearing a black top like all painted into the Elvis picture. Um, that was pretty amazing. That is. Though I, I would hope that within a year, they would be, of course, having received the sacrament of holy matrimony and they'd oh, be yes, traveling yes, yes. to Bora Bora as, as husband and wife. Right. I, well, yes, that is, I mean, that would be the true uh, uh, magic trick, I guess. I don't know. But anyway, I... Yeah, to get someone, get a millennial to propose. <laughs> right. Um. No, but with the illusions, like, I don't know how he makes the cars appear, but I know that there's tomfoolery involved, right? I know that you can, like, I don't know. I, I don't know, but I know that there's ways to do it. Like, the idea, all the moving parts and all the things that had to have happened to get this picture in the place it needed to be with all the words and all that happening is pretty amazing to me. Oh yeah. So yeah. Love that, it. Love it. That was the, uh, so, Las Vegas story. I, I also, uh, walked a drunk girl back to her hotel room to make sure she got back safe. I am the real hero. That's very gentlemanly. That's very good of you. Yeah. Make sure she gets home safe. No mm-hmm. creeps. No creeps. What were you going to say before I interjected with me being the real hero? Yeah. Well, I was going to say, you know, so far, um, you know, this season we've talked about a lot of topics. We've done an episode on, you know, most recently prayer. We did the liturgical year. We talked about Advent sort of specifically. We've done um, how to become canonized. We've we've kind of looked at a lot of things. And so um, every so often, you know, I get questions sent to me in my my DMs or just <laughs> yeah. tweeted at me in a mention. Right. I'm sure you get the same thing. We get questions sent to uh, our curious cat, and I wish we had time to answer all of those. Um, <laughs> yeah. But we, uh, you know, I thought it'd be good to to just go through a couple questions, and that way, you know, instead of just having one topic tonight, we'll spend a little bit of time on on a few different things i like it and so you've uh you've got some questions that you've uh jotted down as well i believe so we'll just kind of you know kick it off right okay you first you you proposed you proposed it so wow me yeah well so um one question i get a lot is just how often should someone go to confession right and you know there's no one right answer for that um, you know, the best answer is, you know, go as often as you need to go so that you're not sinning mortally. Uh-huh. So, you know, if you're very tempted to commit a mortal sin, go to confession. 
um, and confess your venial sins and, mm-hmm. and mention your past sins to get, you know, and just mention the temptation you're having to get grace to not fall into moral sin. Right. But, um, you know, if, 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 you know, worst case scenario, you know, if someone, if you find yourself having committed a mortal sin, um, then, you know, get to confession right away. Um, if you're not at risk at committing a mortal sin or if you haven't committed one, um, then I think a good rule of thumb is every two weeks because that gives you the ability to earn indulgences. So right, back right. up and like clarify some terms. So when we're talking about mortal sin, of course we're saying, um, you know, that there's the primary piece is the objective part that the sin is, you know, objectively grave. So you have to have, um, a sin that's a grave sin in order for it to possibly ever be mortal. Okay. The other two pieces are subjective. Um, you had to, um, you had to fully consent to the sin. So, you know, it wasn't like you were forced at gunpoint to, um, to gluttonize or something. Um, (laughs) and then also sufficient, uh, reflection basically that you, you know, you, you knew, what you're doing is wrong not that you believed that it was wrong or you agreed with that it was wrong but just that you're aware that the church teaches that it's wrong right um why well, i can i so, oops sorry no go ahead um i was gonna ask where you fall on um being scrupulous do you do you think that you could go to confession too much um you know what i'm trying to say yeah, I mean, I think scrupulosity typically sort of narrows in on, on the idea that um, something that's not grave is grave, mm-hmm. right? Like, that you're probably not scrupulous about whether or not you knew something was a sin. Um, but, or, you know, basically making things mortal when they perhaps are only venial. I think that the best place to find out that you're struggling with scrupulosity is with a priest in confession, Right. Um, I think it's it's something that if if somebody is suffering from scrupulosity, I think they're they are really probably suffering greatly because it's you know I mean it, it's a form of um, I believe it's uh, the idea that it's similar to like obsessive compulsive disorder, which is um, a really difficult thing to struggle with. Right. Um, I have a few friends that have had OCD before, and it's really rough. Like you can kind of joke like, "Oh, I'm super OCD," but the people that have that suffer a lot. Um, realistically you want to find a priest that will help you through that. I, I do think there's a tendency to like overemphasize the idea of scrupulosity. Like, you know, a lot of the saints really wanted to please God with all of their actions. You know, I think a modernist might call them scrupulous. Sure. And so I think it's, it's just making sure that you, you know, that your desire to please God is, is healthy and that you're, you're exercising that appropriately. And a priest will sort of tell you that. I think, um, yeah, as far as going to confession too much, I mean, I, I, I guess I would defer to, you know, what does the priest say? Assuming that, of course, he's a priest who believes in the sacrament of confession uh, and in the ability to sin mortally. Right. Um, you know, that priest would be a good person for a specific case. What do you think? Yeah, it's tough. It. I have asked a priest in confession about being scrupulous before, um, but it, I, 
I say, obviously, when in doubt, confess it because you can talk to a priest about it, right? You shouldn't, you shouldn't not confess something. That's kind of my thought. But the priest or spiritual director, someone you trust can kind of help you through, like you said, help you through whether or not that is what level sin is that or if it's a sin at all, and then you will know going for, forward. I, I think the most important thing is to talk to someone. You don't want to, because you, at some level you don't want to be left in the dark of your own thoughts too, right? Because you could drive yourself insane. So, so when in doubt, right? When, and I think I mean maybe a good thing to watch out for is like if you're switching priests to sort of conceal that you're going to confession every day or multiple times a day or something. That's probably a sign that you might not be doing this right. So, like, you know, if you can find a good confessor and stick with him, uh, that's also a good way to sort of monitor that. Like, I know. There have been times that I've been in the confessional and I've mentioned venial sins, and the priest has just said, "No, you're aware that that's not mortal." Um, and I, I appreciated that, and I think that what he was, you know, basically looking for was was scrupulosity. And I, you know, I said, "Of course, Father, I'm aware. I just, you know, I bring these things up because I, I want to overcome all my sins and, and be pleasing to God." So, um, you know, I, I think that the priest is a really good judge of that. If you find yourself doubting a confession that you made, if, you know, if you intended to confess all of your sins in the confessional, you know, and then you come out thinking, Oh, I forgot, you know, that I killed someone. My confession's invalid. Well, no, I mean, if if you, if you weren't, if you didn't have the intention of withholding a sin, you know, then you're fine. So that's where like, again, just bring that up to a priest. If you think you're scrupulous, ask the priest. Right. You can, Um, can, you can always confess it the next time. Right. Oh yeah. If you forget a sin, um, and you remember after confession, like, oh, I forgot to mention that that dude that I just greased and murdered the other day. Yes, I um, forgot about. If you him. remember that, it it was forgiven um, when you went to confession, and and all, and all at the low low and all at the low low price of three hail marys, Zach. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but in justice, since you remembered it, you just want to mention it at your next confession, is what the church tells us. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't have to go to confession right away to do that. So just the next time you happen to be at confession, you know, mention, Oh, you know, uh, through no fault of my own, I forgot, you know, such and such sin at my last confession. And, you know, it's nothing to really worry too much about. Um, you don't want to, I, I don't see any need to sit there and try to reflect on sins from before your last confession. Um, as far as try to, you know, to try to think of things you forgot or look for guilt. I think if you want to look for patterns to help you address, you know, character flaws, Sure, but um, you know you don't want to be probing before that, um, right? So the other thing I mentioned about going to confession twice a week was indulgences. So um, the sort of new rules on indulgences are that you have a partial indulgence, which is you know a partial remission of the temporal punishment due to sin, and then a plenary indulgence, which is a full remission of um, the temporal punishment due to a sin. Um, so to get a plenary indulgence, there's different, uh, you know, requirements, right. You know, that you do some act, you pray for the Pope, you receive Holy communion. And one of them is that you've been to confession within a week. So if you think, okay, if you go every two weeks, that means you're always either seven days before or seven days after your last confession. Mm -hmm. 
So that's where that recommendation comes from. If you want, you know, that way you can always earn an indulgence by, you know, doing something from the, uh, the book of indulgences. Sweet. Yeah. So that, what do you, what are your thoughts on frequency of confession? I think you summed up my thoughts pretty well. Well, good. Yeah. We don't have to fight. Wait, what was the last thing you said? We don't have to fight, so that's good. Yeah, we will. We can later, but hey. Okay, second question. You ready for this? This is a. This is an interesting one, and I think, I think, uh, I think there's some good stuff here. Is it ever okay if you're at a mass that is? Yeah, <laughs> how is it written? I, it's kind of written scrambly here. Is it ever okay to leave mass in the middle of mass if it's a quote-unquote bad mass? Now, I don't think this question means invalid mass. I think it means frustrating mass. Okay? Uh-huh. So, is it ever okay to leave mass in the middle of a in the middle of mass if it's a bad mass? I Okay, here are my thoughts. Ready? Right. I think that you should not make it a habit of leaving Mass. I also think that in the very, very rare occasion you stumble into a Mass that is so incredibly irreverent that it will affect you spiritually it might be okay to leave and go to a different mass. Those are my thoughts that I put very delicately that I'm willing to be scolded on. Uh-huh. You know what I'm trying to say? Like I, I think I I think that it would only happen in the most very rare occurrence. And I think that the the grievousness of the of the thing has to be so irreverent to justify it. Like, I don't, I don't think, I don't think you could use it as like a, Oh, the priest left the pulpit for the homily. I'm out of here. Right. Right. I think it's like, it has to, it has to be something that will completely affect your spiritual life in a negative way. Yeah, um... I do, and I, I almost think it's... I almost think that that's r- so rare that it it might actually... It, the correct answer is just don't leave Mass. If that's... If you know what I'm try- saying. Like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I hear you. I don't know if my answer is a little bit different. I mean, if it's, um... If it's, you know... So the church asks us to go to mass on all Sundays and holy days of obligation. Right. So there's six of those in the United States, but every so often they're going to fall on Sunday or sometimes Saturday and Monday and they get canceled. So you're talking about, you know, you need to go to mass like, you know, not even 60 times a year. Um, If it's not one of those, then I mean, really it's always okay, you know, because you don't have to be there in the first place. Sure. So if you're just at some daily mass and, you know, sister gives the homily or something, um, 
you know, you can leave. I, I mean, you really, you can. It's not like it's a sin to go to part of a daily mass. Right. Um, now, I do think no matter what, um, decorum and, you know, modesty still applies. So you're, you, no one should notice you leaving and you shouldn't leave as some form of protest or, you know, sure. puff and puff and stomp out of there. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, if you don't have, if you're not required to be there, then you, you can't be doing anything wrong by, you know, sneaking out. Um, if it is, you know, a Sunday or a Holy Day of obligation, when, when you do have, you know, the church is, has asked you to go to mass and has sort of obligated you to attend. Um, I've heard different things. I mean, I, you know, if you can leave and go to another mass later that would still fulfill the obligation, you know, then I mean, that's okay. I don't, I, I don't recommend doing any of this. I, you know, I'm just, I guess we're talking about the question is, is it okay? Yeah. So, I mean, I would think, I don't know what would make it not okay. Um, you know, I know some of the moral manuals basically say you need to be at a full mass on a Sunday. Right. And, you know, if that means that you're, you know, you show up at the gospel and you stay till the end, then, you know, you probably want to go to another mass up until, you know, from the beginning to the gospel. I don't know people who do that, but I know that, <laughs> right. that that's something that the moralists talked about at one point of saying you really do need to go to the full thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I don't know that if it's a valid mass, I don't really know that you could ever just leave and not fulfill your obligation. Right. Because what's, what's your excuse? I mean, our Jesus is going to show up at that mass. So, you know, you can't just sit through it. I mean, you're not going to die. Well, that's what Mike, I was going to say, Jesus was hung on a cross and spit on and lashed and all this stuff. So, uh, unfortunately, Christ has been disrespected before, right? And he allowed that to happen. And he allows abuses within the church to happen passively, the passive will of God. Um so, yeah, we so we just some like even if it's a mass that frustrates you, we just have to kind of sit through it. That's when you can pray or say a rosary or something, offer something for the Yeah. Mass. I mean, I know priests who said that in their summers off from seminary, the mass in their hometown was so irreverent that they sat behind a column with earplugs and prayed the rosary. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And that still fulfills your obligation. Right. I, okay. Yeah. It would be scrupulous to think that you have to be listening. Sure. Um, though, I mean, generally it's advisable to listen, but again, right. it's not a sin not to. Um, well, and we get we get so caught up in the idea of active participation like that's you know when the uh music person is always like i can't hear you and ask you to sing louder before mass right like eh, okay whatever. i've never heard that happen you haven't heard that happen what what churches are you going to I, i've been all over the globe i've been to many masses in many cities zachary no but that's it's true there's, there's yeah my my point is that uh we get so caught up in the idea of participation that we don't realize that if we can just sit there and pray if all else fails right yeah um and so the point you know kind of to elaborate on what you said i don't know who i'm stealing this from i can't remember but you know the most irreverent mass in all of history was calvary itself Mm -hmm. 
right? I mean, like you said, no one's paying attention. They're walking around. The celebrant was naked. Um, you know, people were screaming. So, you know, my guess is that the mass that you go to is not going to be as irreverent as, as Calvary, you know, the crucifixion of our Lord itself. Um, so it should be fine. But I also just stress to, you know, you go to a reverent mass, right? Like, right. you know, the, the reverence of the mass tells you a lot about what the priest, uh, you know, what, how he, what he believes and what, um, his concern for your soul. So, you know, finding a, a reverent mass is, is just a good way to keep your soul in good hands. And, it, you know, if that means you have to drive, then drive. Or if you're able to, I mean, move somewhere right. where you can live close to a reverent mass. And that way you could maybe walk. Um, you know, I mean, people move for their jobs and your job can't get you into heaven. So I don't see anything wrong with moving, you know, for mass. I mean, you wouldn't think it was strange that somebody took a job that could benefit their family, but they have to drive for 45 minutes you know, drive 45 minutes to mass, you know, mm-hmm. pray a rosary on the way. Yeah. No, I think that's uh, I think that's solid. Don't leave mass. If I, I will amend my response to if this mass is going to affect your spiritual life in a negative way, maybe talk about it with the spiritual director. Just talk about it. Don't let it fester inside of you. That's my response. Yeah. But also, don't be looking to be outraged. I mean, don't sit there as like a little referee or one of those people that, you know, sends letters to the bishop and all that stuff. Oh yeah, one like, of those. One of those. Life. One of those bishop letter senders. I know, and those just get shredded immediately. So I really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they probably do. All right, what's up next? Do you have another one? Yes. So this one might be controversial. Oh, I can't wait. Um, directly into my veins, alleged... Zach. What? Directly into my veins. <laughs> what do you think of the alleged apparitions of the Virgin Mary at Medjugorje? Oh, yes. This is... Oh, man. How how long do we want this podcast to go? I know. We need it just as like some kind of bonus thing, release the pilot episode we did about Medjugorje. Yes, we did. We did an unreleased podcast it was the first one we ever did uh as a test episode and it was too controversial for the airwaves uh (laughs) i don't know yeah i think the podcast would have gone a totally different direction if we had opened up with that one so yeah um it uh okay well all right we'll we'll release that at some point but let's let's talk about let's uh let's do let's recap it in say 10 minutes here Okay, so we'll start with the good, just to kind of you know be diplomatic. I think good. That, there is none. Move on. Just well, kidding. right. Um, no, I mean I guess so. The belief in Mary and apparitions in general is a good mm-hmm. thing, and so I would I would assume that belief in Medjugorje would would signify that somebody does believe that throughout history the Mother of God, um, you know, out of love comes down and, and delivers important messages right to you know all of her son's followers. Right. Um, and the and idea in general, that... I guess you could say that the Medjugorje stuff is conservative. You Sorry, know, can you repeat that? Down, recommending you know books written by famous Jesuit right. Twitter people. So, um, you know, I, I guess, I guess in the hierarchy of, of things plaguing the church today, uh, you know, um, the uh, 
and I mean, uh, devotion to Mary is, is an objectively good thing and necessary um, in general. Right. But I do think that at the end of the day, the Medjugorje stuff undermines all of that because, um, you know, an apparition that's been going on for, you know, what, 25 years or longer? Right. Um, where there's a new message every week, but all the messages together don't say anything of any substance. I think um, the exact quote you said on our yet-to-be-released podcast was, uh, the things that were said aren't even good enough to make a fortune cookie. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, this Medjugorje figure has been... I mean, she hasn't shut up for 25 years, and she still hasn't said anything, right. you know? Um in very vapid quotes, you know, just basically, you know, be a good person and you never know what might happen. Um, I mean, just dumb. And, you know, that really undermines the important message, you know, from Fatima where our lady appeared in Portugal or, you know, Lourdes France where our lady appeared, you know, asking people to, to do important things that were going to help their soul. I mean, our lady of Medjugorje is like a candle salesperson, you know, it doesn't even, I mean, it, it just, you know, and next next month she's going to come down and recommend like essential oils. <laughs> yeah. um, what if uh, she just wanted to come down and make a few friends, Zach? <laughs> yeah, it's like I mean, you just have to wonder, um, you know. And there's a, a bit of a pattern among the apparitions in that the the seers suffer greatly. Sure, so, like the Fatima children. You know, besides the fact that they got, you know, thrown in prison and they, they they got the reason they got kicked out of prison was because they had everybody praying, praying and they were converting all the prisoners to being Catholics. So right. the, the Freemasons yanked them out of the prison. Um, you know, two of them, they died very young. Um, St. Bernadette, who was the seer of Our Lady of Lourdes, her leg was all messed up and she died really young. Um you know, in that movie, the Academy Award winning movie, when she shows the other nun her leg, the other nun is horrified. So I can only imagine, you know, what it must have looked like. Right. Um, like the foot from if you've seen Mr. Deeds with Adam Sandler or something. <laughs> yeah. um, oh, so good. this gross leg. I mean, these. so the, the Medjugorje people, they own a four star hotel that you have to stay in if you want to see Our Lady of Medjugorje. Right. These people are millionaires. They're, Zach. They probably have more money than the Kardashians. Zach. It's yes. a four-star, not a five-star, so they're suffering plenty. Oh, it's four-star, so we've got this, this slum what? hotel here. Yeah, one uh, time sorry, the... one time they uh, they got a bad Yelp review. <laughs> well, what is it? It's called, like, the Magnificat Hotel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, um, it's a church word, Zach. Let's right. Just... You know, some of the seers have also been caught faking ecstasies well you can see in there is video on youtube now i'm getting into oh man do we have to go out how alex jones are we getting here i'm just kidding but um there is a video on youtube where they do a news report from medjugorje and they show Uh the they show the um sears or something they show whatever they're called they show them praying and one Mm -hmm. of them like the newsman tries to poke one of them and she ducks out of the way like ever so slightly which yeah which uh if you're in ecstasy if you're seeing the blessed virgin mary you will be so 
encapsulated by that moment that you would not see a finger coming at you. Well, right. I mean, just by definition, being in a spiritual ecstasy, you're not um, aware of sen- you're not aware of, of sensory stimulus. Right. So you, you couldn't see a pin coming at your eye to lurch back. Um, so that yeah, that the one that did that, her name was Vika. Right. Um, and so so Vic here <laughs> that lunges back when somebody's coming at her with a pin. They acknowledge that if she's truly in ecstasy, she couldn't possibly see this happening. Mm-hmm. Okay, because they came back with this excuse that no, she was in ecstasy. Right. And she was looking at Our Lady holding, holding. the child Jesus. Right. And that Our Lady started to drop the child Jesus. It's, and that's why she lunged backwards. It's actually that. Of all the stories I've learned in Catholicism growing up, that's my favorite story. It's it's such a wild... It's... Uh, yeah, I mean, I get it. A for effort. A for... Right, like, because you, first of all, you just hear it, and you're like, sure, right as the pin came at your eye. And then, okay, let's maybe... So you're telling me that the Mother of God comes down from heaven in her glorified body, and she drops or she's been holding him for 2000 years right and she she drops him okay so or almost drops him not even drops him like yeah some of that but then you know um a normal a psychologically normal person who sees a baby being dropped wouldn't you lunge forward i don't know to catch the baby yeah no that's again i've never i've never witnessed you know, the second person of the Holy Trinity being nearly dropped, but I don't know that I would lunge away from the situation. Right. I also, one of the, one of the key things for me in this whole thing is Pope Francis has come out and stated that there probably isn't much there. Like, uh, and this is not a critique on Pope Francis as much as just in general, like, if there was something there, Pope Francis would definitely say that there was something there. The church in general would say that there's something there. The fact that it's taken all the taken, you know, a bunch of people to look into it and uh there's constantly this refrain of I don't think there's much there. At some, right. at some point you got to think there there isn't much there. Now, again, and we we say this in the last episode, or at least I say it, like I am encouraged that people want to believe and that people are visiting to believe and they because because they do love the Virgin Mary. I have that is all very encouraging and I do appreciate that completely. Um but this this might not be the right one for that for, for that devotion. Right. I mean, you know, she also the Virgin Mary kept saying that one of these priests there was innocent of these charges against him of abuse and then he eventually admitted to them and was found guilty. Oh man, so, she got um, it I wrong. Assure you, yeah. So she's um, dropping babies and getting get things, things wrong. wrong. Um and uh, yeah, I mean just like you said, every time the the rightful authority to judge the authenticity of the apparition, which is um the the local bishop or or the Pope have been asked to weigh in, they've basically always said no or right. some form of no. 
And there's a lot of money to be made in this. So if they could say yes, I mean, any normal person would think, oh, yeah, let's say yes. This is a really profitable right. industry that's sprung up around this whole thing. I mean, I'm sure they would love to say yes, but they can't because it's fake. Yeah. And um, if we're and we might have an emotional attachment to this to this uh, apparition or want it to be true. But at the end of the day, we have to live in accordance with truth. Right. That's what being Catholic is all about. And if. If it if this is not a true apparition, we have to accept that it's not right. We can't you know hem and haw. It just has to be, just has to be that way. And you know if a pope or two come out and state that it has been real, then I will accept that it's real, right? Right. I mean that of course won't happen, but sure. <laughs> um. Yeah. All right, that's I gave us about ten minutes on that, and that's ten minutes right there. Okay, yeah, you'll have to wait for the the uh, the uh, secret bonus pilot episode to eventually come out, which are only available. Which are only available to our five hundred dollar a month Patreons. Just yes, kidding, your parents. Yeah. Okay, uh, this is kind of off the wall and this isn't this isn't a curious cat question this is more of a matt was speaking with a buddy and i thought it could make interesting podcast material topic you ready yes aliens zach what aliens yeah so i was talking with a buddy and he said that he thinks that Aliens exist, but also, is that okay to say in 2018? Don't we call them like undocumented spacewalkers? <laughs> yeah, something like that. But he said that he believes they exist, and even then, it would not affect his faith that there is a God, right? Which I responded, well, that would not disprove that there is a God because a God would have had to create the aliens. But, you know, that's an aside. The real point is, have you given thoughts to aliens and how they would play within this world? Or is that something we shouldn't think about because it's contrary to what we believe? Um, I don't really think there's anything we shouldn't think about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, we're not, well, I guess I won't say what we're not, what I'm saying, <laughs> but, uh, you know, in, as general as Catholics, we're supposed to do a lot of thinking. Right. Um, uh, you know, there's, as we know from from scholastic philosophy and St. Thomas and whatnot, that there's three forms of life. There's, um, mm-hmm. remind me here, there's... There, it's um, the, um, what's the first one? Vegetative, sensitive, and rational. Okay, right? yes, yeah. So vegetative life is like, plants you know they have the ability to um they they have nutrition you know they can you know, they take in nutrition through like photosynthesis and the soil and whatever right um and reproduction you know plants make other little plants um what else can vegetative life do um it can create it can create a lovely salad for you to eat yes um yeah it can makes makes quite nice uh decoration but yeah so the lowest level of life vegetative life oh growth yeah so it's capable of nutrition growth and reproduction so right. flowers lettuce 
quinoa. Um, <laughs> Isn't that a grain? Power greens. I guess grain would be vegetative. Um, wolfberry. Yeah. Feeds oil. No. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you've got vegetative life. Okay. Above that, you have what is it, Matt? Uh, rash. Uh, uh, sensitive. Sensitive life. That's exactly right. So these are your animals. Um, these are your uh, cable news personality. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> so what? These people, so they have everything that the, the lower version of life has, vegetative life, so they have nutrition, growth, and reproduction. Um, but then, as well, they have sensation, so they can feel. So, you know, if you punch your dog, your dog feels it. Sure. Um, they have sense appetites. So, you know, there's, they, you know, they can derive stimulus from, you know, the taste of food or, you know, they can respond to sound, et cetera. Um, and locomotion, so they can they can initiate movement within themselves. Right. It's like you have if, to move a plant. Like a plant can't move itself. You can pick up a potted plant and move it somewhere, but a dog can initiate movement without itself being moved mm-hmm. by an outside thing. Right. And so, you know, even even little, um, you know, any sensitive life has locomotion. Obviously, that doesn't mean they're all like dogs and they can run up and down stairs, but they can they have that. Okay. Um, so that's your sensitive life. And then finally, you know, the highest form of life is rational. Exactly. So, um, because it has everything from the lower forms, it still has nutrition, growth, reproduction, sensation, sense appetites and locomotion. Right. Um, but then it, in, the, in addition to that, it has an intellect and a will. Correct. And that's what the higher it, faculties. Yes. So what I would say is impossible is the idea that there would be, you know, alien life on, you know, from outside planet Earth that has an intellect and a will. You say it's impossible. Yeah, I don't think that that could be possible. What do you think? I, uh, yeah, no, that's kind of where I, I, but I fall more on the, I do think that life exists on other planets, but in the form of like, I don't know if it's even life. Like, I, I, I don't think it's life as, like, we are. I think there could be, like, vegetative life on other planets for some reason. I like that type of life. But overall, where I fall on aliens is I don't understand why God would create something and then intentionally hide it. Right, because for all for all intents and purposes, aliens are completely hidden to us, except in in our in our imaginations or our, or our thoughts. Right, so I right. I don't know why, like I don't know why there would be a, another world of rational beings that are not inter are not interacted with, or that we have not interacted with, or not even really written about by the church. Does that make sense? Right. Like I know things, I know things have been revealed throughout time, and I know that dogmas, what a dogma becomes official. Like not every dogma happened at day dot. Some of the dogmas have happened hundreds of years after other dogmas, and this and that. But it's still things that would apply to all those generations before it, right? 
So I know that right. are they were true from the beginning. Right. They so, just weren't defined dogma. Um, right. You know, in the event that there were aliens that were rational souls, mm-hmm. um, you know, the most important thing would be to evangelize them, to, you know, to teach them the, the Catholic faith and to baptize them because right. they would have immortal souls if they had an intellect and a will. Mm-hmm. Um, also, what I'm quoting from when I'm talking about the attributes of vegetative, sensitive and rational life is the book Philosophical Psychology by D.Q. McInerney. Mm-hmm. So if you Google philosophical psychology, and it's it's sold by the Fraternity of St. Peter, so you can't find it on Amazon. It's on fraternity publications, but mm-hmm. um, it's a really good book. I recommend it. Okay. Um, but the idea that there's rational life outside of planet Earth seems pretty far-fetched, but, um, you know, perhaps... But yeah, probably not. I, yeah, I mean that's kind of what I mean by there could be, but I don't know why it would just be hidden for so long, like completely hidden, because there. Uh, I don't know because there would. Well, have... I mean, you have to think like the church. Uh, you know, nobody in the church knew about the existence of the Americas for you know fourteen hundred years, and I you know that was pretty. I mean, one of the things that the reason that so many Catholics came over right away was to bring the gospel and bring the good news to right. the Americas. So, I mean, it would, I guess the same model would apply. If we discovered, you know, rational souls on another planet, we would just need to send missionaries. Right. But it you know? uh, also the Americas are the same rock, the same earth, right? It's just, they didn't find them because of transportation which i guess can happen still and so we could find something in this galaxy but um yeah i don't know i it it could happen it it i don't know i don't well, know and i guess it's just you know if they're not descendant from adam and eve how could they have original sin i mean it it just becomes very like like i don't think it's possible but unless the tower of babel shot them throughout galaxies far far away yeah, the the flood it got so high that they just fell out of the atmosphere and floated to another planet. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, we could we could send the Jesuits to outer space in case they find. Yeah, let's just send them send them all there and see where. I I would say some of them already have their heads in the clouds. Am I right, Zach? Okay. Yeah. Sorry. You know. Sorry. Do I have to go to confession? Am I being scrupulous now? Yeah, it would be scrupulous to think that you'd have to go to confession for that comment. Yeah. Um, Go get some ice cream, right? So. All right. Well, that's okay. Do you have any? Do you have any other ones? Or we're we're running running almost at an hour here. No, I mean those are the the things that I got and fun stuff to talk about. So. Yeah, you know, keep sending us questions. We'll probably do this again. Um, yeah, I guess my question: okay. Matt, Am I missing anything on Twitter? Uh, I mean, it's all like you're. Yeah, I mean, you're missing all this stuff that you would assume you're missing. People saying stuff they always say, drill doing drill stuff. Um, yeah, it's I. I had a decent tweet on the podcast Twitter. That's up to 
maybe like a hundred likes at this point. So that's a uh, oh hey not bad for for our little podcast account. It was uh what is it here? I stand by efforting efforting efforting. Got another really thick image intimidating catholic book to add to my pile of unread really thick intimidating catholic books so oh man big mood (laughs) big mood Um, yeah yeah i know i'm like looking at my pile of intimidating thick catholic books collecting dust as we speak the book i got was the spirago catechism so Oh, that one's so good yeah i pulled it out of the we should just quit doing our own topics and just read passages like that but not tell anyone that's what we're doing can we call it pints with spirago <laughs> yes pints <laughs> with spirago that that i've i've that format seems to be pretty successful so we might as well just uh you know take it yes but other than that yeah no it seems uh seems like a good book can't wait to read it in a few years and it'll take me a few years so I will be finished by 2025. Yes, and you'll reach the height of Christian perfection by putting into practice um, the wise counsel of of Sp- uh, Father Sparago. Very wise. All right, Zach. Well, you know, we can't wait to see you back on the website, but I'll keep you filled in till then. Have a wonderful weekend. The people love hearing your voice. And, yeah. We'll do. You have a good week. Can too, and um, uh, sooner or later we'll do a live episode from from Los Angeles. Uh, yeah, actually, Los Angeles. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about that because something might be up with that, but we'll we'll talk about it after. Oh, all right, all right. We'll, we'll take that offline. Yeah. All right. Thanks, gang. See ya.